I don't know what is happening to me. All I know is that it is happening. Tonight on The CW. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? It's the incredible new series from Ava DuVernay. You have power I have never felt before. This is real, whether you believe it or not. I just want to be normal. You're not normal. You, Naomi McDuffie, are exceptional. Naomi, the can't-miss series premiere tonight on The CW. Tonight at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. You are listening to an exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to the Berg, presented by the PodHub Network. My guest today is from San Diego, California, but he's as Pittsburgh as they come. He attended Slippery Rock University and soon after found himself at the University of Pittsburgh, where he put his undergraduate studies to work as a multimedia specialist. His passion is photography, and I'm sure you've seen his work with Pitt Athletics, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and most recently, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Please welcome my guest, Alex Mowry. Alex, how you doing, bud? Hey, man. Good to to, uh, see you again. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. It's been probably... Gosh, when was the last time I actually saw you in person? I think, oh, there goes one of my egg crates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last time I saw you in person. I think we were at our cabin, the Coleman cabin. The Coleman cabin. It probably was then. It yeah. actually probably was then. Yeah, yeah I, I think life was very different around that time, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that had to be like, I feel like I was like five years ago. Uh, it very well might have been, but I feel like yeah. I talked to you on a monthly basis. Yeah, for sure. In some capacity. Yeah, I'll always shoot a message to you about something. (laughs) Yeah, I I I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into you and your upbringing. Um, Mm -hmm. You're from San Diego, California, West Coast. Yeah. And you come to Pittsburgh. What's the biggest difference, you think, between growing up West Coast and growing up somewhere like Pittsburgh? Well, I did. A, I mean, I lived there for 17 years, so I did a good, I mean, as of right now, still like half of my life there. Yeah. Um, so, but doing like when I was there, I was just in high school. So I don't feel like I was doing a whole lot of exploring or necessarily like really, really growing. Um, so coming here, I actually had an opportunity to like do that because I went to college and then now I live here. And I think the biggest difference, but the biggest difference for me has been the ability to grow up since I've been like, since I've gotten older and like actually started working and like living here in Pittsburgh. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I noticed too is I really do think the people here are a heck of a lot nicer. I don't yeah. know if that's just a my perspective on Pittsburgh or in indifference to um, San Diego, but I don't know. I think the people are nicer out here. Yeah, no, I 100% agree because like I just moved out to Jersey a year ago and it's like I can't talk to people out here. Like people will be nice to you. <laughs> But you can't, like, if you're, like, sitting in line somewhere, you know, you can't just be like, oh, how about this? How about that? Like, nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to look at you. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's been a really um, unique part of living here in Pittsburgh is kind of being around a bunch of different people. And I think more than anything, the people here are super passionate about Pittsburgh. And they, whether it's sports, it doesn't have to be just sports or it's culture or it's food or it's just the things that they like doing, I think they're very passionate people. And they are, I think, more willing to engage you and bring you into their passions rather than it just being their thing, which I think is a really special um, part of Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to California real quick, what was a spot growing up that you were like, that's the spot, this is where I go with all my friends, this is where we hang out. 
Like, what was the spot? Um, I, I guess for me, it probably would have just been high school. Um, I went to Rancho Bernardo High School. We were the Broncos. Um, but, like, when I lived in California, I lived, like, far away in, I guess, in terms of, like, where you felt like driving was far in high school. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, like, I didn't live in the county where my high school was. For, I don't remember exactly how I got to go to the high school. I think it was something with my middle school upbringing as, and it was in relation to that high school. So I was went to them. So like all of my friends didn't live nearby. So I really only saw them when I was at school. So, I mean, I was in, I played football all four years. And so pretty much I lived at school while I was doing sports. So I guess school or the mall, which I feel <laughs> yeah. like out here is a very popular thing for people to just go to the mall. I can't go to target on a Friday night because there's just high school kids walking around and I'm like, I just, I just need eggs and milk, everyone. I don't need to deal with all of this. I just want to get what I need. And I want to get out of here. And now that, I guess that leads into me becoming just old probably. But I, I guess it's what we did in high school too, is we went to the mall. Yeah, no, like going to like a lot of people will say like going to the mall was like the thing to do, especially like out mm -hmm. here in Jersey, like my girlfriend, she's like, Oh, we always hung out at the mall. And I'm like, you hung out at the mall. Meanwhile, I grew up in Beaver County and our mall was coming like falling apart for tw the last 20 years. So why would I go? Is it Century 3? Is that your mall, right? No, it's the Beaver Valley Mall. The Beaver Valley Mall. Oh, well, the Century 3 Mall is something special in itself. Yeah, that one too. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. So what was it that brought you to Pittsburgh, to Western Pennsylvania? So I started looking at schools, I think my, probably like the early senior year of high school and I looked at some of the West Coast schools. So like USD and UCSD, just because it was like, you're gonna look at these schools, you live right next door to them. So I went to look at those. And then I really did a lot of East Coast searching for schools. So I did like the big names. So I went to Penn State, I actually didn't like it. It was one of the only schools that I like got out of the vehicle and was like, nope, don't like it. Really? And there really was, there was no, but like, I didn't even give it a chance. It was just, I didn't like it. But I think when you're choosing a school, that's a really big like part of it. You have to want to be there. And I literally got out of the car and already didn't want to be there. So wow. it worked out because I didn't apply because I wasn't interested. But then yeah. I looked at Notre Dame. I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, the state of Indiana, which was my dream school. Gosh, I wanted to go there so bad. I wanted to be a Hoosier real bad. Um, <laughs> and like, I wanted to wear the red and white striped pants. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted that part of college, but I didn't get there. And then, um, and then I visited, visited like a good amount of the passion schools. And so I did like Slippery Rock. I did Cal U, IUP. So kind of like those ones that are along here on the Western, Western side. And then I also um, applied to Pitt too. And I got um, waitlisted for Pitt and I got sent to Bradford. And I didn't want to go to Bradford. So I was like, I'm not going to go to Pitt because I wanted to go to the Oakland campus. Yeah. Um, how pretentious of me. <laughs> and I got into... Indiana University, but they put me on the wait list. So I was like, well, okay, I just guess I just keep looking for schools. And then Slippery Rock was actually the last school that I went to. I think it was like in October and it was snowing. And I was just like, yeah, this is, uh, this is like, it but it was the opposite of Penn State. I got out of the car and I said, oh, wow, I love it here. I think this <laughs> place is incredible. And I applied there and I got in and I accepted. And that, that was like, I was like, cool. 
this is where I want to go to school for the next four years. I never had like a question in my head where I was like, am I, am I making the right school choice? And it was like definitely great. That's awesome. So did you always know that you wanted to be in the communication field? (laughs) Good question. Uh, (laughs) No, 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 no. My senior year of high school was the first year that I kind of got introduced to digital media, whether like I did, I had a video production class. So I was learning about editing and storyboarding and just kind of telling visual stories. And that was like my first introduction to it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I was in student government and then I was the elected historian. So my job was to take pictures of the events that we put on on campus. So that was like the first time I got a camera in my hand and started playing with it. And that's when I started learning. I was like, oh, like, this is fun. Like, I enjoy taking pictures and recording memories. And, um, but right, but at that time it was just pushing a button. I had no technical knowledge. It was just, I could turn it on and I could press the shutter button and I would take pictures. And anything that came back out of that was wonderful because I was like, oh my gosh, wow, I made this picture. This is great. <laughs> um, but when I went to Slippery Rock and I applied, I actually didn't apply for communications. I applied to be a physical education teacher. Um, I enjoyed the concept of teaching. And so I was like, great. Slippery Rock is a good teaching school. They're also known for their physical education and just teaching in general and, and like um, all the physical therapy stuff. I was like, okay, cool. This should be like a good field for me. And was going in through the summer towards my freshman year and I just was thinking about it. I was like, gosh, I hate running. And I don't know if I can make somebody else run. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I can't do it. So then I switched my degree to communications and because because of everything I was doing in high school at the end of my uh, high school time yeah. and it was just it was the exact right move for me yeah like I asked that question because being a west coast california guy you would expect since like well if if your first thought was communications you would think you know usc or something like that because they do have like the big film schools and things of that nature yeah, absolutely. You would you would think that there are like I would have just stayed there. Yeah. Um, which I'm I'm glad I didn't because everything I have right now is a testament to me leaving there. Not to say I wouldn't have had great experiences. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you can't predict what the outcome would be if you were to make a different decision in the past. So I am blessed for every no that I gave myself in high school yeah so you went to slippy rock and um you had the unfortunate pleasure of meeting my older brother <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so let's talk about some of the good times in college uh what what did you guys do oh. on a regular basis and i know there's some things you might not want to say but <laughs> um i think that, oh there's plenty of stories gosh there's so many. <laughs> probably not for a podcast or um a digital recording of it Um, (laughs) they're really not that bad. I just rather not have them on film. Um, it was, it was great because it was my first real experience of like being on my own. And I think that's what a lot of people really enjoy about college is being on their own and being with their friends. But I also like came to Pittsburgh and to Slippery Rock, no less, not knowing a single person. So every single person I met was new and I have a different mindset on all of this now because I think I'm older and I've like, I've rethought about how I've lived my, my like years and coming up and now I see them as more or as bigger experiences than they probably were at the time for myself. But 
like as a 17 year old freshman, I was like, I am horrified because <laughs> I'm now moving across the country to a zip code that I've never been to before other than once or twice to visit. And I'm going to live with people. And so I'm roomed with my friend, um, roommate. And now he's like a great friend of mine. His name was Connor. Um, and we were like friends all through college and still friends now. And then I met your brother who lived down the hall. And then I met one of my other best friends, Ryan, who um, I see them on like a weekly, monthly basis. I was in their wedding and I would not change anything about my um, freshener in Rhodes. That was the best experience I had in college because of how kind of like physically close we were to each other because you were forced to like see them and say hi to them and like get into problems with them or successes and um that was probably like the one of the best ways i could have started my college career though was living with all of those people because really every single one of those people that i met is like lifelong friends now yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wish I would have had the same a similar experience in college of like the closeness because mm -hmm. whenever I went to college, I got the nice dorm rooms. And with the nice dorm rooms came your own space. So I didn't get to see people like that. And that's awesome how being forced into a closed space can form such great bonds. Yeah, no, I was lucky enough in like the later years of Slippery Rock to like live in those nice dorms where you got your own bathroom. And that was definitely a treat. Absolutely. Um, but I think me living in those communal residence halls was like one of the best things I did for myself while I was there. Yeah. So while you're at Slippery Rock, what were some of the big projects that you did, uh, like photography or just content wise that you'd still take pride in today? Um, some of the big things I guess I took a lot of pride in was the, the, the rocket, which was the student newspaper. And that was kind of one of the big, like launching pads into my career now. Um, I don't do photojournalism per se anymore. However, it taught me so much about what I'm capable of in terms of photography, because I think there is a special kind of aggression that comes with being a photojournalist, um, rather than maybe just someone who does portraits and someone who does landscapes and someone who does fine art which are all super valid forms of photography. I do feel though, being a photojournalist taught me to be a little tougher. And in doing so, I think makes me better right now. Um, in there, I got to just kind of see a little bit of camp, everything that was Slippery Rock, which I think was really great because they also exposed me to so many different parts of the university. Um, regardless of me being a communication student, I was somehow involved in every single college because I was always telling stories of everything that it took to be a student here at Pitts, or I'm sorry, at Slippery Rock. So it was a good opportunity for me to kind of get my feet into every single door on campus and learn a little bit about the, um, the university. So I gotta say, yeah, probably the rocket was probably my biggest thing. And it gave me the most practice with a camera. Um, it taught me how to shoot in manual for anybody that knows photography, that is just the way it should be done rather than a green square. Um, so I, I'll always remember there was the, um, the first time they had me shoot football for them, which was my freshman year. And I like walked into the office and I was going to, I was 
brand new, just walked off the plane. And I was like, I like taking pictures because I think it's fun. Like, is there any way that I can be a part of the newspaper? And the girl who was the photo editor at the time handed me, it was a, I think it was a Canon 1D. I think it was actually just a Canon 1D. So it was, um, it was like a full frame camera, but it had no auto settings. And I had no idea how to work with the camera, but I was given this camera and they were like, yeah, go shoot football. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, I guess I'll go do it. Because it was one of those things where it's like, I have to be successful here. If, or if I want to like be asked back, I have to do well right now. Yeah. So I will always remember I got my camera and I had, uh, I think, a, I don't remember what lens it was. It probably was, I think it was a 70 to 300, but it was like an F, uh, F5.6 and it was a night game. It was not a great lens and camera combo for a night game. Um, and I remember being on the phone with my stepdad who was in the stands and he did photography in college. And I said, help me, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And he was talking me through settings and how to like work a real camera. But it always is so funny because I learned through not knowing how to do it and kind of like being thrown to the wolves. And now I contribute so much of my career to learning that way. And let me tell you, that game was horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I can't imagine there was many pictures that they were able to use. Yeah. But it's like, it's the whole learning through failure thing that I am now as an adult so um, on board with and I thoroughly encourage failure in like the nicest way possible because yeah. that's such a hard thing I think for people to like grasp they're like wow he wants me to fail I, I do I want you to fail because then you know what it's like to lose per se and then you will work a little bit harder to succeed the next time and that's everything I do in photography and video. I, I take bad photos all the time. I take bad video all the time, but it's always a learning experience for me to do it better the next time I pick up my camera and shoot that thing so I won't miss that shot. We, we talked about college, how that whole mm -hmm. experience, how you've learned from that. How did you apply those skills to applying for your first job? It was my senior year of, um, it was my senior year of college, and I still kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I liked taking pictures, and I liked shooting video and putting productions, but I didn't know how to like apply that to a real career. And I just thought I had to be a photographer. I thought that was my only option. So I was like, I don't know how to go hunt for a photo job. So I was always like in LinkedIn, and I was like, photographer. And you would get a bunch of options, and you're like, well, I don't want to work at Kmart and be like the family photographer like I don't want to do <laughs> I don't want to be on the picture people nothing yeah. wrong with that either but I was just like that's not what I want to do and then I saw jobs to be like a photographer on a cruise ship and I was like I don't know if I could like do that part of me wishes I would have gone and taken a cruise ship job because wow that would have been probably really cool <laughs> yeah. um it's okay it's okay but I oh my nose so itchy. um <laughs> during that last semester someone from the pirates came to speak to the business college and she was the director of marketing i believe for the pirates at the time and i went to it because i was like that'd be a cool person to listen to and was listening to her talk about marketing and i really hadn't explored what marketing was and she 
explained so much about emails and print production and how there was also this massive digital side. And this is not necessarily the infancy of social media, but it was, it was prevalent, but it wasn't really, I think at that time, a industry standard. And it wasn't yeah. something that everyone was really, really on board with, I think company to company like they are now and how essential and a building block and a pillar that social media is now. Um, but I listened to her talk and I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything I do lumped into one category and that's marketing. So I was able to kind of switch my gears in terms of looking for jobs to being like, oh, I need to not look for photographer. I need to look for digital content marketing. And that's when the pool opened up and more or less shrinked to be a little bit more defined. And um, I went through my whole senior year and I still didn't like get a job. I did a bunch of applying for six months and never got a job. And I left college, I graduated and I went to... Um, I went back to work at Moe's. I was a master burrito roller. And I like I worked there for, I think I worked there for a total of like two, three years through college. But like I started washing dishes and then I moved into the, you know, the lettuce and the salsa area. And then I moved to the meats and then I drove catering. So like I did a little bit of everything there, but I didn't even get the job right after I left school. I went to work for Moe's. And I, during that time where I was working for Moe's, I was applying for jobs. And then my job, current job, came up on, I think I saw it on Indeed or um, higheredjobs.com first. And I was like, oh, wow, that is literally in my backyard. And it's everything that I do and I'm really, really good at. And I applied and I did the whole interview process. I, I put my suit on, and um, which I think for me now is very uncharacteristically like <laughs> me. I, I, I'm so casual as it is. So wearing a suit now, it really is like ugh, it's pulling teeth. Um, but I like just did the interviews and I was, I guess in, in their eyes, the best candidate for the job. And, um, and, uh, six years later, I'm still here. That's awesome. So mm -hmm. like, once you got there, like, did you expect like everything that they handed to you? Like, did you expect to have to do all that stuff or what were you overwhelmed? Cause I mean, um, marketing and everything can be overwhelming in my opinion. Yeah, so no, I mean, like, it absolutely can be overwhelming. Um, and it all depends on what the overall, um, like, end goal is going to be yeah. um, in terms of, like, projects and stuff. So that's, like, obviously a, like, a really, really large factor of it. But I, my job was a brand new job. So, like, no one was in the position before me. So I kind of got to write the script a little bit. And that was really exciting because I feel like I'm a very creative person and I got to kind of run the show, which I think for me was really, really nice. Um, and I mean, since the day I walked in, the job has evolved tenfold. I mean, as you know, you've watched digital media explode yeah. and now I'm like, I'm doing work in 4k now solely. Like that's like my only um, file formats that I work in. And it's just even like terms of that in terms of things like equipment upgrading and the desire of the people that we're talking to is so much higher that I have to work at another level. And that's been like the increasing thing every single year. But when I walked in to that job um, after graduating college, I, I really did have all the skills I think that I needed. Um, but I will tell you, I learned a lot in college. I really did. I, I, I give a lot to that degree that's back yeah. there in, <laughs> that's literally in its envelope still 
<laughs> on my shelf. I give a lot of props to it. I needed it. But there, I have learned so much more just working there. And quite honestly, through YouTube, I should have an honorary degree from YouTube. <laughs> I should have a bachelor's of YouTube because I've learned so much more just doing everything that I do for work. Yeah, and absolutely. That's been the real beauty of, I think, of the internet and that stuff growing is I've been able to tap into everything that's here and really like absorb it all and make it part of who I am and my creative process. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like your first job was like a content creator's dream because you got the right to the script and no one was really telling you what to do. Yeah, no, it was really nice to be kind of like the new person in the chair because there was no, they, like they had ideas on what they wanted, I think my position to do. And then I was able to take that and run with it and evolve the role and the delivered product to like another level that I don't think that they were expecting. Yeah. So with that said, how, like how much of a part of doing photography for the athletics was a part of your job or is that something you decided to do on the side with Pitt? <clears throat> so that's actually totally on the side. Um, I had a good friend, her name was Julie and she was the sports information director up there and she knew that I had shot sports in college because of the rocket. And I think she gave me a men's soccer game or match to shoot. And she's like, can you come and shoot this? I was like, sure, like, I can. And I brought my camera equipment up the hill to the sports complex and I saw that game. I don't remember if we lost or not, I can't remember. Um, but it was my first step in that athletics world. And then they just kept calling me back. And then um, I had a friend named Casey and she asked me to come and do softball. And that was one of my other first sports that I had. And, Volleyball was another one. And then they just kind of started giving me more work. And I started to kind of take over and do a little bit of the like marketing photos and like the seamless white backdrop stuff that we use in Twitter graphics. And I, I mean, I look back at some of those pictures too and it, and it falls back on my whole failure thing is they're horrible. I can't believe that they were paying me to do this. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Pet Athletics, because gosh, I think four-year-old photographer me was a real real train wreck um because I even thought I was good but like I look back on it and but it's all just me evolving and my craft and what I do um but it's rough like some of that early work is bad it's real bad but they liked it enough and they keep calling me back and and now I I shoot pretty much every single sport in some capacity I have a hand in almost every single team's marketing images I was a part of the rebrand of all the new um, Panther head. I don't, I don't have it anywhere near me. Um, but like they used, like the Nike used my images as baselines for some of their designs, which is something I will always like hold really close to my chest because I think that's just, just the freaking coolest. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'll always be blessed for Julie calling me and asking me to come in and shoot men's soccer because I have everything I think athletics based and now NFL and MLB stuff to contribute to those early projects when I first started there at Pitt. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into the professional sports. Yeah, we won't jump there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about you just did some work with the Pitt football team on the unveiling of their new uniform. Oh, yes. T take us through that whole experience. Like, when did you know what the uniforms looked like? Did you know beforehand? How hard was it to keep that a secret? 
um, it is an impossible secret. Yeah. Um, especially like, I mean, like it's and it's funny too because I necessarily didn't grow up a pit fan because I'm not from here, but I know so many people like yourself, like your brother, like your whole family, like yeah. my my buddy Ryan and his family that just love pit. And it's and more times than not, it's not because they went to school there. They just love the university because it is like it's Pittsburgh school and and as much as some of the other ones are, but people just love Pitt. And uh, they reached out to me, I think it was in July, and we were working on kind of doing like a video recruitment for football. And they're like, hey, we'll just let you know that we're gonna be working on some new uniforms here. We're gonna possibly do like a shoot um, sometime in the cathedral. And I was like, well, I mean, really not happening because I wanna be a part of that. And so I kind of just like shoved my foot in the door because I was like, I think I need to be here. And <laughs> then it was, I, like I showed up on the day and like they had hired an outside company to do all the lighting and they did all of um, the video work. And then I shot all the stills around what they were doing. And then I shot some of the behind the scenes video and behind the scenes stills just to kind of help like tie the whole story together. Cause if you're thinking about content as much as you are, the content is what you're taking the images of. There is other things happening that you can split that up and make more content out of it, which is like where a whole BTS thing comes from. Yeah, and absolutely. Like of the actual, the final product. Because people love to like learn how things were created, especially when you just like see beautiful images and pictures. And like, that's why DVDs have behind the scenes because you want to learn how the movie was made. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we took those pictures back in like July. So it's been oh, months. Wow. And I, they've just been sitting in a, com a little folder on my computer and I've been waiting and I've been waiting and I've been waiting. And then, there were, and then I got a text from... Um, one of the girls in charge and she was like hey just let you know we're gonna be pushing the uniforms out pretty soon and i was like yes finally <laughs> um, so it's really cool too because it's the uniforms are really grounded in yeah. pittsburgh and I, I don't know if you watched the video on the explanation of all of it but pretty yeah. much every single piece has something to do with pittsburgh and oakland and um the university of pittsburgh so it's a really i think special uh, uniform and I, I hope they wear them again. I'm not totally yeah. sure if they will or not. Um, since I don't actually like work in that office, I don't have any of that knowledge. But I hope they wear them again. I think they're pretty cool. Oh, they were awesome. So just wanted to like, as a fan, I wanted to tell like talk about this, like the what was it around the collar, mm -hmm. that part of it, and like the story behind it, and like you said the behind the scenes. I never knew that. Like I like you know I go visit Pitt and I'm like oh that's pretty cool, but I didn't know there's a story behind it. So it's like yeah, all to, the ironwork. Yeah, the ironwork and everything. Like I didn't know that like that was special. I just thought oh cool architecture, but like yeah, I think there's a lot of ability for uh, stuff like that to also be storytelling in itself. Like you were saying, you didn't know that story, but they had the ability to kind of bring you up to speed on something that's really important to Pittsburgh and to the University of Pittsburgh with a uniform, which wasn't, I guess, in a way that you were expecting to learn something new. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I found like to be the best part of the, excuse me, best part of the uniform was the history. Like that we, mm -hmm. we put history into it. And now we got people on social media calling for the Steelers to do the same thing. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. They're already <laughs> black and gold. What do people want? They want they those the steel jerseys, colors. man. They want the oh, steel gray jerseys. <laughs> I think we'll get the bumblebees before we get a new steel jersey. Yeah, we'll get the bumblebees again. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the Steelers. How did you get to be a photographer for the NFL at Heinz Field? 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers because that that is a Pittsburgh kid's dream to be able to do that and be on the field and take the pictures, take the videos. How'd yeah, you land? So I've heard, um, which is also one of those things where it's like, I'm super blessed for the job, but I don't know if I still understand the gravity of how Pittsburgh cool that is. Cause I just didn't grow up a Pittsburgh fan. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I lived in California. I'm still a Chargers fan. <laughs> sad that they've moved to LA, but I would have never thought that all my San Diego Chargers stuff would be vintage. Never. Um, <laughs> but I mean, actually the, the best part of, about working for them is actually they called me. And I didn't actually apply for the job. And they, um, I had a friend who had the job before me and she texted me one day. She's like, hey, do you mind if I give my boss your number? And I was like, uh, sure, like, that's fine. And I was on vacation in California and I got a phone call from New York and I was like, maybe I should answer this phone call because I don't <laughs> answer phone calls to my phone if I don't have it saved because yeah. I get so much spam. I get so much garbage. So I was like, well, okay, I'll answer this one from it's because it's from New York and um, sure. Why not? And he was like, Hey Alex, this is Russell from the NFL. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Hi Russell. From the NFL. How are you? <laughs> nice. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> nice to meet yeah. you. And he just kind of told me about the job and um, that my friend Sarah had like recommended me and thought that I was um, good at what I do. And that I would be a good addition to um, the team because she just got a job with the Jets. So she was going to be moving and there was going to be an open vacant spot for me. So um, I interviewed with him and then they sent um, my portfolio to the Steelers and then they were able to decide and then get back to the NFL and say, hey, yes, we would actually like to have him be a part of the team. Um, the best part was that I hadn't shot football up to the Steelers stuff since college because I didn't shoot for pit athletics. They didn't have me shoot football yet. Yeah. So Russell was like, well, can you just pull what you have together from college and send that to the Steelers? And I was like, you want me to send five-year-old images <laughs> to them? Because that's all I've got. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, okay. So I was real <laughs> nervous about my chances because I was like, I haven't shot this in years. Yeah. Like, are they going to like what I have? And uh, lo and behold, they got back to Russell and then they got back to me that they um, wanted me to be a part of their team. So this is my second season yeah. with them now. Um, it is a very different season with everything going on. I am shooting everything from the stands and what's called the operational zone. If you've been watching it on TV, there's those tarps. And then I can be in that first row at the end of the tarp in the fields. So, like that's where I can stand. Um, but last year was just a full on sprint. It's so fast and, but it is one of the best ways to watch a game. Um, it's super cool. I only had been to like two Steeler games prior to like actually stepping out onto the field and shooting for the first time because I just couldn't, I could never get tickets to the game. Oh, it's and like, you got to sell so hard. Yeah, Cody, one of the, the last times I went to actually as a fan, my tickets were the highest seat in the stadium you can buy. You know the seats, the, the steps at the top, yep. they go all the way and they lead to two chairs right at the very top. Those were my seats. And it still I couldn't get farther. Each, huh? I couldn't get farther away from the game. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, who's playing right now? I can't even tell. <laughs> so it was like, me stepping onto that field though that first day and um, being like in the game was really, really cool. Cause I grew up all through high school playing football and I played, I was shooting it all through college. And so like, I still have this great affinity for the sport because 
it was one of my first sports that I ever played next to baseball. And I definitely love it. And I have so much respect for it because it really is a hard sport. Um, but being there on the field and like the first time they played like Renegade and just like, it is so loud. And I mean, yeah. it's loud from the stands, but being in the middle where all the sound is coming to, it is so loud and it just, it just gives you chills. It is just the coolest thing ever. And I mean, like they've been playing it still this season and it doesn't feel the same, yeah. like exactly the same, but it still kind of gives you chills because you're like, oh yeah, I know what that means. Like, I mean, I'm getting chills it, just thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, it's one it's of those, one like, of those songs things. where you're like, oh yeah. And you hear that scream and you're like, it's so great. Um, it's such a wonderful feeling. And I, I definitely think the best like experience that I've had so far there was um, being on the field and shooting a Monday night coin toss. Yeah. That is something I have watched on TV my entire life and seen them shake hands and um, they're going to call it toss, call it in the air, blah, blah, blah. And you see the coin flip and, but being like on a knee below the captains and watching the coin flip over your head it's 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 wild because you just the crowd's going nuts and the lights are all on you but it feels like daytime because it's just yeah. so bright and kind of like shooting those pictures shooting the handshakes then they rotate and then you just like scuttle off the field because you're not allowed to be there anymore and <laughs> but like seeing that on tv and then being able to do it in person was unreal just the coolest experience i think i've one of the coolest experiences i've ever had as um as a photographer because that was something that I never imagined was possible for me to do. And I exceeded an expectation I didn't know I set to myself, which was really, really rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's, we talked about like the thing to talk about. Now let's talk mm -hmm. about the pirates, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess. Oh, <laughs> our poor team. Yeah. yeah. It sucks, but you got to be a photographer for them this year as well. Um, and that was, that was your first experience of like COVID like sports photography. It was it what you expected. Did you expect to have to be in the stands and take pictures or were you like, Oh, I want to be in the camera. Well, I want to do that stuff. I want to be down there taking the photos. Like what, what were your expectations versus the reality? I guess I don't know if I had any expectations because I guess I didn't know what was going to happen or if we were even going to play at all. Yeah. Um, since we like obviously went past the opening day and we like just weren't playing baseball because of COVID and everything that was going on. So we kind of were just kind of sitting and waiting for baseball to start potentially. And um, when it, and then when I remember, if you remember when it came around and like opening day was starting, they, um, we like played opening day, we played opening weekend, and then the Marlins had cases. And we were all kind of like, oh, is this it? Are we already done? Because they're already like, because they were having those all the talks and like, it was it would be unfair for the rankings and, and stuff if like play, teams weren't allowed to play since there's so few games. So I was like, it might be over before it even started. And we were able to like, obviously get the season rolling, which was really great. And it was, a challenge because I hadn't really shot again, shot 
a sport again. Um, I hadn't really shot baseball since college. And I mean, baseball from like little league to high school to college to pros is so different and it is so much faster. And it definitely was a learning curve for me, I think, because one, I had to relearn how to shoot baseball because I think this, because the sport doesn't move obviously like any other sport does because it's on its own, but being able to be in one place, have the action leave you and then go to first base, having like that kind of the mindset, like, and really remembering where people are on the bases and okay. So now like thinking like you're playing, all right, it's two outs. There's a runner on first. If it's hit to third or short, it's probably going to go to two because that's the easiest out depending, or it's going to go to one depending if he has time to set back and throw. So, so it's, it's kind almost of just like, like you're, it's almost like you're the 10th fielder. Like you have yeah, to think of every situation that can happen. And, mm-hmm. and then also put your little centimeter square on the first baseman <laughs> in a fraction of a second. So it's really hard. And um, it, what also made it hard was kind of shooting from the stands, but it's also the only way I currently, as of right now, know how to shoot baseball because that's the only thing I've had. So I learned to work with the resources that I was given. And um, of course the pirates just installed that giant fence along the whole infield. So having to yeah. shoot through a fence from 12 feet out was definitely a challenge um, in terms of like autofocus, which um, are not really big fans of things coming in front of it. Um, so like that was an interesting learning curve and how to deal with um, like an environment that was not really conducive to photographs, but yeah. how do you make it look exciting? And the cool thing I think about what my role is with them is they're always kind of like, as much as I am shooting the game, they want to know how can I make the game look creative and exciting to kind of like the younger generation of people. So yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of older people that watch baseball, but they want to get this younger generation that will become those older people who want to continue to watch baseball. Exactly. So those people see the game differently. And that's why they kind of have a team of us there to kind of see it. So it's like, whether I'm shooting like harsh shadows and having only the highlights be what the image is and, or, kind of shooting it from different angles. So like not necessarily just shooting the game really tight, but shooting it really wide and showing all this negative space. And um, it was really kind of a cool creative, uh, I mean, really it was a creative challenge to say the least and how to make the game exciting, but from the stance. Yeah. So just and it was also more. like, it was also like super humbling being some of the few people like during COVID to actually be like working and shooting sports in person yeah was really really humbling because i like i mean no one was watching baseball in person no one was watching any sports in person i mean i was working and i was being like paid to be there but i was still like I was watching sports and i was sitting in the seat there just was no hot dogs cooking yeah so like was it you bring bring up the you brought up the food now i have to talk about the food <laughs> was it weird not smelling manny's barbecue from center field yeah there was no like <laughs> like smoke screen coming over the center field wall um yeah, yeah so i mean they had uh, simulated fan noises which was really interesting and they were all reactive too so like it was on a normal murmur for most yeah. of the game and then like if there was a single they would raise and if it was a double it'd be a little bit higher and if they hit a home run like the crowd would go nuts and um it was super cool but it like not having the i mean not 
Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like all, all things could like, it just felt not complete because yeah. there was nobody there and there was no, uh, there was no crab fries and there was no dip and dots, which is always like my staple for going to the pirates game. I just love dip and dots because I don't know where else to buy them. But one, one thing you did do on your, on your social oh, media, boy. on your Instagram, you would rate the, the dinner and dessert that they had at PNC park, which I loved. I love that you did that. <laughs> I was trying to find some way to like make it all exciting, but they yeah. like, they had, so they have like pretty much at like Heinz Field and PNC Park, they have like medium meals, which come in this little box. And it's like a sandwich that was made yesterday and it's plastic wrapped. It's not a great dinner. It really <laughs> isn't. So they were selling a meal and it was like $10, but it was like the most food I think I've ever had for $10, but it was always like changing. And it was actually like really good. But yeah, so like that first day I got a dessert. I didn't know what it was. And I, st I still don't know what it was. It was some orange thing and it was like, it was like gelatin, but it wasn't gelatin. So I was like, yeah. so I just ate it on my Instagram story. Cause I was like, I'm going to tell what this is. And it was horrible. But then I kind of like, just some people were like, that's really funny. You should do that again. And I was like, okay, I'll do it again. And I just kind of like kept up with it and would rate my desserts and yeah. on, on Instagram. Most of them were actually really, really good though. They actually really kind of pulled out all the stops for the people that were there and working and actually gave them like a really good meal. That's really, that's cool. That's mm -hmm. good to know. Um, yeah. So going back to, you said you guys, like they wanted you guys to kind of attract the younger generation, mm -hmm. baseball fans. I just, it, it, every time I hear something like that, it takes me to the Gary V quote. He said, if Mike Trout walked in this room right now, you wouldn't know who he is. Hmm. And it's, it's so true with this generation. What are you guys trying? Like, I guess I could say you guys, cause you do the photography. What are you guys trying to do to make it appealing to the younger generation? Um, I think the younger generation definitely has a different visual appeal and what the things they want to see. I mean, I don't know if you just, I think it's actually like, literally today um today or yesterday the mlb put out um their like postseason video um it was yesterday at 302 technically i just looked it up um <laughs> it's on their twitter but they like they're talking about the newer generation of players and it's all of these young guys and they're trying to change their marketing style to appeal to this gen z group yeah. Because they want different things than um, Generation Y and even really some millennials want. Um, I mean, the tail end of millennials are pretty much Gen Z because they're so close, but they want different things. They have a different idea of what's like good content and what's exciting is they like, they expect, they expect efficiency. They expect stuff quick yeah. and they expect it to look sharp and it look good and it's colorful and you can hear it well and it looks good and you get it when you want it. So it's, um, if you go and watch that video, it's a very different than I think you've ever seen the baseball talk about the postseason. I mean, I think, I think freaking even DJ Khaled was like the, uh, the narrator. So it's like, yeah, I did see a clip. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like that sort of thing. They're pulling out people that those Gen Zers know. They all know Major Key. They all know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, they don't know who Mike Trout is. They don't know who that guy is. Only one of the best baseball players around right now. Like, yeah. But that's, that's what they're doing. So in that video is actually a perfect example of that question is that's literally what they're doing. They're bringing in rotoscoping. They're bringing in all this animation that Gen Z really loves. Yeah. So 
thank you for coming on. It has been awesome. Mm-hmm. I always like to talk shop and to be able to put it in podcast form is even better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everybody go follow Alex. I believe all of your socials are at the Mr. Alex. Is that right? Purpose. Yep. It's easy to find. That's what I did. <laughs> so yeah, thanks Alex. Uh, and everybody Absolutely. be sure to follow him and I'm sure you've already seen his content, but now you got a mainstream line to it. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks Alex. Thanks for having me, bud. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service. Without all the drama. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service. Without all the drama.